0: As you find your seats, if you'll turn with me in your Bibles to Colossians uh, chapter 1. Uh, today we're in part 4 of our sermon series, kind of slowly making our way through this incredible letter in the back of the Bible uh, to the church of Colossae that the Apostle Paul would write. Uh, it, this is, uh, the entire series is called The Gospel Truth, and again, this is part 4. This morning we talk about gospel transformation. If you don't have a Bible there should be a Bible in front of you and by the way if you want to take it with you you're welcome to do that and also the words will be on the screen as well listen when you are a biscuit away from 300 pounds you always are going to be looking for a way to lose a shed a pound or two you're always gonna be looking for the right diet or the, the right exercise program or the right combination of the two Uh, to kind of be transformed i mean you know not every one of us can be that biscuit away and you long for that transformation somewhere somehow you know you you long for that You, you know you have that before picture hey i once was a biscuit away from 300 pounds but now you want the after picture but now i'm you know thinner stronger more more buff or whatever you long for the after picture what will get you there And really, the most important thing is, what will transform you? What will make you from being a biscuit away to something uh, much more palatable than that reality? And not only what will get you there, but as you know, what will keep you there? Um, For those of us who are a biscuit away, uh, we've known we've probably lost more weight and gained more weight than anybody in their lifetime. You know, how do you get to that, that desired picture that you have? And how do you stay there? When there's so many good things like ice cream and donuts in the world, right? So that that transformation, this is what I once was, this is what I am now, and this is what I want to continue to be. Well, the church in Colossae has experienced gospel transformation, and this is the greatest of all transformations. This is way more important than weight loss or putting on muscle mass. This is... The transformation of a soul from being dead to being alive. A transformation from somebody being apart from Christ to being drawn in to be a part of God's beloved family. I mean, this is the most incredible transformation that only comes through the gospel, which means good news. And it really is incredible. So, how do they get this gospel transformation? Well, Paul is writing to the church and to us, inspired by the Holy Spirit. And he said this gospel transformation has taken place in your church and in your life personally because the gospel truth is a part of your life the gospel truth the truth of who jesus is god's son lord and savior the truth of the reality that we're sinners only saved by god's grace the truth of the gospel that we've put our faith and trust in him alone listen this is saying that we're not putting our faith and trust that we're going to be good enough or religious enough our faith is in Him, so this gospel truth has brought upon transformation. There's a hope that they have that they never could have had. There's a joy that they have, uh, that they have that their sins are forgiven, that they've been adopted into their family. There's there's life that has come, and now Paul is praying for the church and us. He's now now if you get gospel truth, if you are Jesus's and, and He is yours, Paul is praying for gospel growth may you grow. May you grow in your understanding, your knowledge of the Lord. May you grow. May you bear fruit in the gospel. And he is praying for that reality of gospel growth uh, for us now that we have the gospel truth. And what Paul is going to do, even as he's praying, he's going to show them the before picture. And not just them, it's us. And so this is, this morning, he's going to say, this is who you once were. So if you're here, and by God's grace, you've embraced Christ as Savior, he wants to remind you of the before picture. Remember, before Jesus, this is who you are. Now, if those of you who who have not embraced Christ as Lord and Savior, this is who God still sees you as. This is who you are. No matter what the mirror tells you, no matter what you tell yourself, this is an interesting perspective for those apart from Christ. So you have the before picture, right? And then he's going to show us the after picture. He's going to say, Now this is who you are. This is who you are if you've embraced Christ Jesus. And he's going to tell us how that transformation happened. I mean, it's incredible. When you look at the before picture, it's not pretty. And when you look at the after picture, it's amazing. And so much of you, I guarantee you, some of you are going to say, I don't think that's me before. It is. And some of you are going to say, I don't think that's me after. It is. I mean, both are amazing about what God has done. And it's this gospel transformation that only happens in Christ Jesus. So Paul's going to say, this is who you were. This is who you are now. And this is how you got there. But he's also going to say, this is how you stay there. I mean, again, for those of us who uh, have a tendency to go up and down, uh, those of us who have a tendency to to be doing well for a while and not so well in other places, uh, here's the good news. How do you make sure you maintain this posture. So, we're going to look at four things. Who we once were. Uh, secondly, we're going to see who we now are. Uh, thirdly, how did we become who we are? And then fourthly, how do we stay who we are? So, we are going to pick up right where we left off last week. Uh, for those of you who know where we're going to pick up, it's going to be in verse 21. We really are going to focus on two verses, or three, 21 through 23. Um, but to get the context of this, to understand... You know, these are like a couple of verses for us to understand the weight of what Paul is saying. I'm going to go back, and I'm going to pick up verse 9. So we've already preached through this, uh, but let's get again that context. We're going to pick up right in the midst of a prayer that that Paul has. So hear the word of the Lord, Colossians chapter 1, verse 9. We're really focusing on verses 21 through 23, but let's hear the word of the Lord. Paul is, is, is praying and says, And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And then he's got this incredible portrait of who Christ is. He is the image of the invisible God For in him, this Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Now here's our emphasis this morning. And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him if indeed you continue in the faith stable and steadfast not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you have heard which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven and of which i paul became a minister well the grass withers the flower fades But the word of our God will stand forever. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Oh, Father God, what an amazing transformation the gospel brings to us. And God, we thank you that your Holy Spirit empowered the Apostle Paul to write to the church of Colossae and to us this before picture and this after picture of who we are in Christ Jesus. That in him and him alone is this transformation, this gospel transformation and how we are to now walk in a manner worthy of your name. Now we are to, to, to maintain and to stand on the foundation you've given us in Christ Jesus. God, some people here need to see the before picture of who we are apart from you. Some people here need to see the after picture of who we are in Christ. They're working really hard to earn it, and they don't know if they're good enough. And some people here have forgotten how that transformation ever takes place in christ alone and some people here need to be reminded that there's no other foundation of which we build from and that if we are to depart and walk away from our savior there's nothing but loss and darkness so god wherever our needs are you know you're the head of the church you're the creator of the universe i ask that your spirit would be here the god you'd speak through a broken vessel like me That, God, you give us ears to hear your voice and minds that understand your word. That, God, you'd soften our hearts and make them pliable in your hands. That you'd you'd allow us to embrace your truth. That, God, that you would transform us again, for some for the first time. For some of us for the millionth time. But transform us again by the power of the gospel. And we pray this in Jesus' matchless name. Amen. There's a, there's a pastor that was in the Philadelphia area. Uh, matter of fact, uh, he's probably more known for uh, a ministry he started called World Harvest. He's probably more known for the impact he's had on men like Tim Keller uh, that really have helped shape his ministry. But his name is Jack Miller. And Jack Miller had an, an amazing expression that was really helpful to unpack this text and really helpful in all of life so so here are these words i think they're so true cheer up you're a worse sinner than you ever dared to imagine cheer up you're a worse sinner than you ever dared to imagine and you're more loved than you ever dared to hope you're worse than you think you are and it's bad but god loves you more than you even dared to hope i mean that's amazing so as we look at the before picture, for some of you saying, ah, that's not really me. This is the way God sees us apart from Christ. It says, hey, once you were, once you were alienated, once you were apart from Christ Jesus. Now some of you say, Well, I grew up in a Christian home. I went to a Christian school. I always heard about Jesus. But all of us begin our lives alienated. Doesn't matter about your heritage, doesn't matter you know, who your parents were, your grandparents, or any one of us, Scripture will make it clear that from birth we have a problem. And from birth we have been alienated from God. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul will tell the church in Ephesus that not only in in chapter 2, verse 1, are we dead in our trespasses and sins, he'll say this about us. By nature, you're a child of wrath. You want to sit there and say, whoa, wait. Wait a minute, by nature? I mean, seriously, by at the core of who I am? God considers me a child of wrath? I mean, isn't he a loving God? I mean, I mean how 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 does he consider me? I mean, how does he consider anybody, baby, that comes into the world as a child of wrath? Really? I mean, is this just one of this hell and brimstones reality that we want to ignore that God can't ever believe that? Well, he tells us that we had a problem from the very beginning. Uh, he says, in, as I read it in Colossians 1.13, that we had to be delivered from the domain of darkness. That's where we all start. You might say, well, well h- how did that be so? According to the Bible, God creates all things, and he creates uh, a, a man named Adam and a, and a woman named Eve. And as they go, we go. And God made a relationship with them. And he says, listen, if, if you obey me, you'll have life, and that life will last. But if you disobey me, you're going to die. And sadly, they rebelled against God. They didn't believe him. They didn't take him in his word. They were were deceived by Satan, and they sinned. And by the way, everybody thinks it's an apple what they ate. I don't know what they ate. It was a forbidden fruit. But they sinned and rebelled against God, and immediately what happened was a spiritual death. And immediately what happened was separation from God. They hid themselves from God. No longer was God safe. And they realized, "Uh uh-oh, we're naked before God. And... A close examination of Scripture, that brokenness that Adam and Eve experienced through sin was passed down to all of us. There's no one who's exempt. The psalmist will say that you and I now are conceived in sinfulness, that all of us are born transgressors. All of us are born, by nature, children of wrath. It gets even worse. It even says this, the guilt of Adam. Adam represented us. And as he went, we went. And his guilt became our guilt. I know we're in the deep end, but just think about this. How in the world can you say, is that fair? I mean, I was nowhere near the Garden of Eden. That was so stinking long ago. How does Adam represent me? Well, that's God's plan. He represented humanity. And as he was broken, his depravity got passed to you, and his guilt, is when you were born, you got it. Dang it. But the good news is, Christ's righteousness can also be applied to you. In christ's favor but let's i'm getting ahead let's let's just continue to jump in so we are by nature uh children of wrath that's the beginning of all of us and not only are, it says we are hostile in mind toward god and the greek word mind here is more than just your thinking you're hostile to god in your mind in your heart and your being in your nature you have a hostility to, to, to god now let me ask you a question are we sinners because we sin stick with me here are we sinners because we sin or do we sin because we're sinners are we sinners because we sin or do we sin because we're sinners you know why we sin because we're sinners i mean no one in that nursery has to teach those kids to be selfish No one in the nursery has to, no one has to go back there and tell them that you got to say, and knock over somebody else who gets in their way. No one has to teach us selfishness, that we live for ourselves, it's all about ourselves. No one has to teach us how to be ugly, hate, steal, cheat, lie. It's part of our nature, folks, and no one is exempt. We're all sinners, and the picture is not very attractive. We all have the same condition, and we're all born in it. Since that fall, every one of us is broken. Let me tell you, uh, in in philosophy or whatever, they would say that maybe we're tabla rasa, a blank slate, that you come into the world a blank slate, and whatever you do good, that's great, and bad, that's not good. No one's a blank slate, according to Scripture, the before picture. It's ugly. And some of you are going to say this, there's no way I'm hostile to God. There's no way. Okay, this is hyperbole. I'm a good person. You should see my neighbor. I'm way better than my neighbor. And I bet you are. You probably are. But listen, this is holy God we're talking about. And so this is, this is his standard. So the reality is, are you hostile to God? Jesus says, you're either for me or against me. So if you've not embraced him as your Lord and Savior, if he is not king of your life, you're against him. You go, Oh, that's not fair. But I'm telling you, listen to this. Passive indifference. Passive indifference or just doing things my way, is against God. You know, the hardest song ever played when you do a f- funeral, and I have it all the time, they want to play, and I did it my way. And I did it my way. And you want to say, what? Don't go to heaven saying that, bro. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, Jesus, man, I did it my way. You're the way, the truth, and the life, but you know what? At the end of the day, oh, man, I live for number one right here. I did it my way. Listen, we're born singing the song, I want to do it my way. We're born in that reality of brokenness. It's not just some of us. It's all of us. And we have a hard time getting our minds around the before picture because we really think, here's what we really really, really think we're not bad people. I mean, honestly. We really think, and what we do is we take God's holiness and we just start pushing it down and we take our own self-righteousness and we start pushing it up I i'm not that bad yeah i, I got some issues occasionally I, I fly off the handle sometimes you know i do this or that or i got but i'm not that bad scripture wants to say you're worse cheer up you're worse than you ever dared to dream and that's all of us and so then you do evil deeds the fruit of a hostile mind is against god the, the, what produces is evil deeds and some of you say no way i'm not evil Some of you say, I help old ladies across the street, I pay my taxes, I'm good to my neighbor. Some of you will say, there's no way that I'm doing evil deeds. And again, I'm a lot better than my neighbor, and I bet you are. But evil deeds, let's talk about deeds for a minute. In God's eyes, it's doing the right thing, with the right attitude, for the right reasons. Let's unpack that just for a second. Doing the right thing with the right attitude. What's the right attitude? Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. You should not only look to your own interests, but to the interests of, of others. Your attitude should be that of Christ Jesus. How you doing? How many of you are doing the right thing for selfish ambition? So i be seen, so i be praised, so i be looked like a good guy. I think pastors are the ones that have the hardest time with this. Let me do the right thing so y'all think I'm wonderful. Let me do the right thing so y'all think I'm worthy. And the reality is evil deeds if they're not done for the right reason with the right attitude. And what's the right reason? For the glory of God. The right reason so that they sing his praises. The right reason so they see him more, not us. So again, I I think that we uh, sometimes think, that's not me, it just sounds so dark. Isaiah 64 says it this way our righteous acts it's the good stuff in god's eyes are filthy rags and the translation of filthy rags is really disgusting so god is saying this is how holy i am what you think is good in my sight apart from me in my grace and the work of my son it's, it's 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 manure it's bad the the before picture is ugly cheer up you are a lot worse than you ever dared to imagine anybody having fun yet man lay it on pastor this is a great sermon but let me tell you who you are now let me tell you who you are now if you are in christ jesus holy and blameless holy without sin set apart blameless without handles and i'm telling you what if it's hard for you to accept your nature as a sinner, for many of us, it's hard to accept who we are in Christ Jesus because we know the truth. We, I mean, you want to balk at that, like, oh, man, holy, yeah. Mm-hmm. Blameless? Ooh, ooh, yeah. Um, without, without handles in my life? Are you kidding me? Remember, Christian, this is only in Christ. Somehow we always think that we are saved by God's grace through faith and we work like crazy to stay in our place. Somehow we think that our position is earned. Somehow we think it's really about what we do. At the end of the day, God's going to say, let me see all your good works. Did you earn this? Did you earn the sacrifice? Did you earn the cross? Did you earn my love? And there's such warped thinking. We are who we are in Christ Jesus alone. And this is who he says we are. In Christ Jesus, because of his blood and righteousness, holy. He's taken your sin and separated it as far as the east is from the west. He's covered it with the blood of God. I mean, he has dealt with it. He's dealt with it in finality, holy and blameless before him. I love the fact that this is, this in the Old Testament, holy and blameless was the type of sacrifice we were to give to God. Make sure you get a spotless lamb. Make sure you get one without any blemish, because that's the sacrifice God will, will accept. And now he's saying to us, in Christ Jesus, that is who you are, and now your sacrifice is your life of praise. Be, be, because you are in christ jesus this is who we are now it's absolutely incredible above reproach above reproach before him now again some of you will say "Ah, oh, geez <laughs> i mean truthfully above reproach will you please listen to what romans 8 1 says you are in christ jesus therefore there is no condemnation for those in christ jesus Because when he said it's finished on the cross, guess what he meant? it. And when he said he paid the price for our sins, he did. When he walked out of that tomb, the payment was made. We are forgiven and we are free. Through one sacrifice, he has forever perfected those he's making holy. Are we still sinning? You know we are. Are we falling all the way home? You know we are. But in Christ Jesus, the picture in Christ Jesus... We are robed in his righteousness and we've been cleansed with his blood and he says perfection and that's the picture he sees hanging on his refrigerator and that's why he's able to say holy and blameless and above reproach and the question is how did we become where we are (laughs) it's through Jesus Christ alone it says you are reconciled in his body of flesh it's very important in his physical body he became a man and we are reconciled in his body of flesh for us to be reconciled with holy God, Jesus and Jesus alone had to do it through his body, through his humanity, God becoming flesh. Now listen to this. Don't 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 check out. In Jesus' human body, God's law had to be fulfilled. You ever wonder? Well, wait a minute, God is holy. So how can God wink at sin? He can't. So was God kidding when he said these are the commandments? Was God kidding when he said these are the ten commandments? You gotta follow? Was God kidding? No, he wasn't. Was God kidding when he said, The soul that sinneth shall surely die? No, he wasn't. So Jesus would sit come and say, Listen, born of a virgin, because he's had to be sinless. He had to represent us like Adam did. And he said, Listen, I didn't come to abolish the law, I came to fulfill it. I came to magnify it. I came to make it beautiful. I've came so that the Father who's holy would say, Okay. My requirements have been done. I came to say that the law is no longer we have to fear. It's something that shows us the holiness of God and something we should keep and pursue. But he came in his body to fulfill the law of God. But there's more. He came in his body to absorb the brokenness and the curse and the wrath of breaking the law. He not only fulfilled the law, he also was the one who says, I I will absorb a holy God's wrath so you don't have to i'll become sin so you could become righteousness i'll experience darkness so you can have light I, i i'll i'll have the father turn my his head from me so he'll turn his face toward you i'll drink the bitterness so you can drink the blessing in his body and in his body alone are we able to be forgiven and free and transformed he had to live that perfect righteous life he had to die that death we all failed to live up to the law and he's making peace by the blood of his of his cross we now have peace but remember for this picture to be a reality something had to die how bad is our before picture it's so bad that something has to die before we become the right picture now we are in christ jesus and that something is jesus and he willingly did it i mean the cost of this Some people say, it sounds too easy. All I got to do is believe in by God's grace and faith in Christ Jesus. It's not too easy. It cost him his life. It's not too easy. He had to fulfill the law. It's not too easy. He had to experience hell on the cross. Oh, it's grace for us. But man, he had to make peace by the blood of his cross. There is no forgiveness of sin without the shedding of blood. And there's no forgiveness of sin without the shedding of Jesus' blood. Because the blood of goats and bulls, it doesn't take away the sins. And now, in the reality, he's made peace for us, and we have this gospel transformation, a transformation that took place on the cross. He became sin so we could become righteousness. He he was a curse so that we could be blessed. It's just absolutely amazing, and that's who we are. Paul will write, and I read it to you, the Father has qualified us in Christ. The Father has qualified us for an inheritance. What God has required of us, God has provided for us in his son. Some of you are trying to earn it. Some of you don't believe it. Some of you are fearful that you're not good enough. And you're not. Cheer up, you're worse than you dared to imagine. But cheer up, Jesus is better than you dared to hope. We're not getting home because of our record, Ever. We're not going to be loved because of what we do, ever, ever. And he wants us to delight in him and do the right thing. We're loved in Christ and Christ alone. He's the only one who's qualified us. And what God has required of us is holy God. He's provided for us in Christ Jesus. So how do we stay where we are in that picture? If you continue in faith. Isn't that interesting? He doesn't say, you start by faith, now work your tail off. Colossians 2.6, Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, as you receive him, how do you do that? By faith. So walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. We receive Christ Jesus by faith. We continue to walk by faith. Uh, he says, this is the foundation. Don't leave it. God doesn't say, now that you've been accepted, earn this. It's never by works. It's all by God's grace, if you continue in the faith. Now the question that we got to ask briefly is, can you lose your salvation? Hell no. No. If you can lose your salvation, it is about works. If you can lose your salvation, his grip on you isn't strong enough. You can't. And I love the reality is this is what Paul says in Ephesians 2, Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Make sure you work it out make sure you believe make sure you wrestle with it but listen to this but it's God who works in you both to will and to work to his good pleasure I have hope and that you will make it to heaven because of your grip on God for none of you I have hope on each one of you that his grip on you is secure enough that he's gonna get you home And he's not gonna miss one of his sheep at the end of the day when it's all said and done he's not gonna look around and say oh man I missed that one they just got away they were just a little bit better If they just tried a little harder, I would have kept them. I know my sheep, and my sheep know my name. They hear my voice. And I lay down my life for the sheep, and none of them shall perish. And all that the Father has given me, I'm going to lose none of them. But if you receive Christ by faith, walk in faith. Walk in faith. And now the reality is not shifting from the hope of the gospel. Not shipping for the hope of the gospel. Have you ever heard the song? My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Your hope should be based on nothing less, nothing more, and nothing other than Jesus' blood and righteousness. That's the only way we're getting home. Not shifting from the hope of the gospel by saying, I believe in Christ. I put my life in his hands. This is the good news of the Gospels, my brothers and sisters. It's what God has done for sinners like us through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Look at the picture of the before picture. It's ugly, but look at who we are in Christ. It's amazing, and thank him for what he has done. Listen, when you're a biscuit away from 300 pounds, it's probably a good idea that you avoid biscuits. Avoid carbs in general, but the greatest transformation is found in the ultimate carb. The ultimate bread, the bread of life. The bread of life who was broken for us. Jesus gave his disciples on the night he was betrayed a meal to remember who he was and what he has done. A meal to remember that it was through his body of flesh that we are reconciled to a holy God. There's no other way to the Father. There's no other way to reconciliation than this. This meal reminds us of the cost of reconciliation you this is more expensive than a christener meal this is the blood of Christ there's no more expensive meal than this and it reminds us of our reality of reconciliation and all of us need to be reminded you're looking in the mirror and your life will reflect brokenness and the enemy will whisper you're not good enough and it'll say you're not doing enough the reality is he is enough run to him and feed on him it reminds us that one day we will be with him that he's here with us and we spiritually and he strengthens us. But this is a meal that the, proclaims to the world that you have been reconciled. If you're here and Jesus isn't your Lord and Savior, Scripture warns us not to do this in an unworthy manner, which means take it and you don't believe. But for those of us who say, I know the before picture, and I have a hard time believing the after picture, but man, in Christ Jesus, reconciled a meal that says cheer up you're a worse sinner than you ever dared to imagine and remember you're more loved than you ever dared to dream amen let's pray now father god you know it's it's hard for us to believe the truth of who we are in our nature we want to think that we're good people we want to think that we're a whole lot better than our neighbors we want to earn our way home we want to earn our stripes We, we we want to prove our worth. Ah, and sometimes we say, okay, we need Jesus to help us get over the, the, uh, the, the finish line, but we want to do it. But the reality is, is everything you require of us is what Christ has provided for us. He and he alone lived a righteous life. He and he alone was a substitute for our death. He and he alone resurrected from the grave. He, his righteousness and his righteousness alone makes us holy. And blameless his blood and his blood alone takes away our sin and the reality is God that apart from you it's ugly but in Christ it's beautiful and we thank you that Jesus was willing to pay the price it is so true that we need to cheer up because we're worse sinners than we ever dared to imagine but we also need to realize we're more loved than we've ever dared to hope so God made this meal communicate the depth of our depravity and the depth of your love at the same time. Will this meal cleanse us and strengthen us? We pray in Christ's name. Amen.